Hey everyone, let's ramble for a little bit. to another episode of Theological Ramblings. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Janish, and with me as always, I have my co-hosts, Pastor Tom Fricky. Hello, glad to be here. And Pastor Ross Henze. Hello er hello there, everybody. <laughs> Thank you, Ross. So, Ross and Tom, to introduce this episode, I wanted to quote a few lines from two different songs to you. Now, the first song is Pink Floyd's Money, and here is a quote from that song. Money, so they say, is the root of all evil today. And the second quote I want to share with you is very much like that quote. This is a quote from Chris Jansen's song, Buy Me a Boat. Chris Jansen sings, I keep hearing that money is the root of all evil and you can't fit a camel through the eye of a needle. I'm sure that's probably true, but it still sounds pretty cool because it can buy me a boat. Now, Ross and Tom, could you identify for the audience the error that both of these music artists made? Well, first of all, Phil, we wanted to hear you sing both of those. <laughs> we want to know how those songs go. But I, I, I think what I would say is that... Uh, uh, what what is happening in both of those songs is they're identifying uh, money and wealth uh, as being the problem, but money really is a gift from God. I mean, it's something that God gives to us. It's not money, but the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. And it's not wealth, but greed that's really the problem here. So having it is not wrong. Letting it control your life is. Wow. Ross, anything you'd like to add? I guess I would just say, you know, uh, similar to what Tom just said, is that there isn't anything really wrong with money. You can, if if you have a nice house or if you're able to drive a nice car, you can take a nice vacation. God bless you. Uh, th there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. You shouldn't feel guilty about that. It's when that avarice, that greed, begins to come in, and it and it takes away. And we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yes, Tom, and Let please. me just add, here's the ironic thing. Pink Floyd, and I would assume Chris Jensen, too, both made an awful lot of money <laughs> writing, recording, singing those songs. Yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah, and so, Tom, you did uh, mention it, that both of these artists misquote the passage. Uh, the passage does not say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of of all evil. And as both of you said, money by itself has no moral value. It can be good or bad. It's just like a brick. You know, it depends on how you use it. I can use a brick to build something and that can be good. I could also use a brick to hit somebody in the head and that is evil. Uh, but that being said, I would say that money is, an in, is in an entirely different category. 
God didn't make a commandment about bricks. He did make a commandment about money and the possessions that we can buy with money. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the seventh commandment, which says, you shall not steal. So again, money and possessions are not evil in and of themselves. Ross and Tom, how might we demonstrate from Scripture that money and possessions are not evil in and of themselves? Well, ultimately, Phil, it all comes from God. Uh, He's the one who gives us wealth. So as the creator, he is the one who has blessed us with wealth. Furthermore, he's blessed us with the ability to make wealth, uh, to work, and so it ultimately comes from God. Uh, We have the responsibility to use that um, that wealth uh, wisely, responsibly. We do it to uh, support ourselves, to support our family, uh, to serve others. And I guess I'd, I'd also add that if you take a look at people in the Bible who uh, had faith in God, uh, many of them uh, that we are aware of that are key factors in the Old and New Testament are people who had a fair amount of wealth. They used it wisely. Uh, David Job, Abraham, uh, in the New Testament, Lydia, uh, there are plenty of others. So I think that just demonstrates that, that it's not wealth that is the problem, it's our attitude toward it that can get to be the problem. Yeah. Ross, anything you'd like to add on top of that? Well, I, I think what I would add is that God will take care of us usually in one of two ways, either through miracles, but primarily he takes care of us through natural means. And by natural means, we have the opportunity to go to work, earn a paycheck, bring the paycheck home, and then take care of ourselves, take care of the people we know and love that supply our needs. Now, some people have got more than others, uh, and that's really what can then become a root of the envy and the jealousy and the coveting, which we'll get to when we get to the Ninth and Tenth Commandments, and really then just kind of a lack of contentment with what I have. But... I think God does provide for us, and he says, you know, you need to work. So we could, we could spend some time talking about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So before we talk about work, and I think we should, um, one thing that we mentioned is God is our creator, God, and everything ultimately belongs to him. You know, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Um, So how does that truth, that everything ultimately belongs to God, how does that truth shape our attitude toward our possessions? Ross, we'll let you tackle that one. Well, when you recognize that everything comes from God and you acknowledge that and that all the blessings that I have come from Him, uh, that's a wonderful thought. Uh, I guess I would answer it by saying my problem has never been what God gives me. My problem has always been how I manage what God gives me. And I think, you know, if if no matter where you are on this chart of blessings, you know, God has promised to give us what we need. And if I find myself uh, stumbling and falling, it almost always happens because, hey, wait a minute, did I manage properly what God gave me? And uh, that seems to be the crux of the problem. Yeah. 
Thank you for sharing all that. And I like the word you use, managed, because when we manage things, we recognize they're not ours. We're managing them for somebody else, and ultimately, you know, they come from God. Uh, now, here's another thing to consider. When talking about possessions, one of my college professors would often say, it all ends up in a landfill one day. Not only that, but here's a verse from 2 Peter chapter 3, and this is verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. So not only do all our possessions eventually end up in a landfill, but ultimately they're going to end up as fuel for the fire on Judgment Day. So Tom, how does that truth shape our attitude towards possessions? What's your ultimate goal in life? I mean, is it to make sure that your, your children and your grandchildren have enough stuff that's ultimately going to be destroyed? Or is it to make sure that uh, your children and your grandchildren know Jesus and they have a place, an eternal home with him in heaven? You know, the first commandment says, there is a God and it's not you. Yeah, this commandment is telling us there is a God and it's not your money. It's not your things. And so it's really important for us to recognize that um, God has given us uh, the, the wealth, the money, the possessions that we have to manage for a time. But the ultimate goal is to be with him forever in heaven. Yeah, yeah, because at the last day, you know, that stuff's not going to matter. It's going to be fuel for the fire, and it's the people who have to stand before God. Yeah, thank you for saying all that. So, sadly, our sinful nature would like us to forget these truths, that money is, you know, not to be our God. And it would like us to put things like money and material goods first in our lives. And this can cause us to sin. Now, I think the audience could probably identify some of the more blatant examples of sinning against the Seventh Commandment. You know, if I break into somebody's home and they're not around and take their stuff, everyone would recognize that as breaking this commandment. Or if I were to take a gun into a gas station and demand the money from the cash register, we'd all recognize that as stealing. But what are some of the subtler ways that people can break this commandment? Ross, we'll let you go first with that one. Well, there's any number of them. Uh, one that comes to mind right away is if you're at work and you're granted a 15-minute break, but somehow you manage to milk that into a 25-30 minute break. Uh, if you're someone who is working, uh, but you're not really working to the best of your ability, you're actually stealing from your employer. You could have uh, employers that are not really protecting and taking care of their employees, which is stealing. Uh, clerk gave me too much change and I didn't give it back or they forgot to charge me for something or you're going to, uh, hey, I'll pay you under the table so you don't have to pay taxes or here's some oceanfront property in Nebraska I'd like to sell you. <laughs> so there are so many different, sell, sell shoddy material as something that you, you know, you're advertising it as being great, but it's not. So there are all different kinds of things where, in essence, you're taking advantage of people. Yeah. Well, I think one of the classic ones is the classic idea of the used car salesman 
who tries to sell you a crummy car. You know, that's probably a little unfair to use car salesmen, but that's uh, that's the uh, the cult, one of the classic examples of kind of a swindler. Yeah. Uh, Tom, did you have anything you'd like to add? Well, uh, maybe a couple of things. First of all, Luther does talk about dishonest dealing in his explanation to this commandment. And so we, we need to be upfront and honest in all of our dealings, uh, both as customers and as people who are selling things or representing things. Secondly, I think it's probably good, this is a good spot for us to talk about the doctrine of vocation. Uh, the idea that God has placed me in a position in life to... Um, to serve him and to serve other people. Uh, in a lot of ways, what I'm doing in my everyday life is serving God, not just because maybe I've been called to serve him as a pastor in the public ministry or as a teacher in the public ministry or as a Sunday school teacher or somebody who's serving people through the Word of God directly, but I'm serving God and other people through whatever job it might be that I have. If I'm stocking groceries, if I'm making shoes, if I'm fixing cars, teaching children, uh, making lawnmowers, I'm serving the Lord because I'm doing my work, hard work faithfully, and I'm doing it honestly. And, and God blesses us in that way. The clothes that I'm wearing today, I didn't make. Uh, in fact, I'm glad that I, I'm not the person who has to do that <laughs> because it wouldn't look very good, uh, but somebody else did, and uh, that's a blessing for, for, for me and for all of us. And I think uh, the work that we do, we, we don't often think of it in that way, but God blesses us through the faithful work that people do in our behalf. And uh, the doctrine of vocation has maybe been lost for a while, I think it's good for us to recover that teaching. This is one way to make sure that we are being the good managers or good stewards of the time and the ability and the resources God has placed into our hands. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, when Luther talked about that, I think he would sometimes, you know, talk about the scullery maid. You know, that's not something that resonates with us, but a scullery maid was essentially a person who washed dishes. And he would say, even the person who washes dishes, you know, is working for God when they do their work well. Or maybe we could, you mentioned a number of examples. One example I like is is a plumber. You know, when the plumber does his work faithfully, hey, I get clean water in my house and the, and the waste goes away. That is a huge blessing, you know, if a plumber does his work well. And that's all part of the doctrine of vocation, serving God through just our normal everyday tasks and things like that. Okay, so we recognize, uh, before we talked about vocation, we did talk about some sinful uses of possessions. So now let's talk about the other side of the equation. What are some good uses of our money and possessions? You know, we already talked about vocation, you know, serving God with our skills, which is something that he has given us. Let's get some more examples. Tom, why don't you shoot some off first? Well, we, we need to be able to just manage our finances at home to be able to feed ourselves and our kids uh, to, take care, to take care of ourselves. It takes a little work. It takes a little bit of planning. Um, I, I think of just uh, the different ways that we, we uh, help each other through the things that we do here in town. Uh, I think the thrift store is really a good means uh, by which people take the things that they have been given 
and use them as a resource that can benefit other people. Um, just working to provide for our family, giving of our offerings to the Lord is a good thing for us to be doing. But all of this takes a little time and effort and planning to be able to do it in a way that serves other people and honors God. Wow. Ross, anything you'd like to add? I would probably categorize it maybe this way. God gives us our possessions and we use them to uh, care for our home, the church, and the state. So in the home, we're going to take care of the people we know and love. We're also going to take care of those in need. Uh, in the state, you know, we pay our taxes so that we have a police department, a fire department, good roads, things of that nature. And then finally, the church. We also give back to our Lord who gives us. And that's a, a huge misnomer is that some people think that, you know, God just simply says, give back a portion of what I've given to you. Give it back to me. And then as we do so, um, you know, then that is used to help spread the gospel. Uh, the challenge that I would put out there for all of our listeners is, is to really have youth sat down and thought about what your plan for giving is, giving back to the Lord. Uh, I'm afraid that sometimes what often happens is that we get to the end of the week and we're getting ready for church and we check the checkbook and there's not a whole lot left there and God is getting the leftovers instead of getting the first fruits. And so the encouragement might be to, you know, at the beginning of a year or the beginning of a pay cycle, begin to think about, well, what would I like to, what would I prayerfully like to set aside to support the Lord's work and cheerfully and generously and then and then set that up in that way so that God is getting the first fruits and, and not the, uh, the leftovers. And the amazing thing is, and I have seen this happen in my own life and the life of so many others, is that when I set it up that way and I give cheerfully and I give out of love for my Lord, there's always enough to pay for all the other things too. My standard of living does not go down, it goes up. Ah. Thank you for sharing that, Ross. One thing I'll uh, add to that is, you know, God doesn't command. We tithe. Um, sometimes 10% is just a good guideline. Um, and if we keep some of these truths in mind that everything ultimately belongs to God, um, I heard a lady who had a pretty good attitude about this. She did tithe. You know, she recognized it wasn't necessary. But she said, it's not that that I have to give up 10%. She, she looked at it, I get to keep 90% of God's stuff. <laughs> you know, when you look at it, that it all belongs to God, she says, hey, I get to keep 90% of God's stuff. And um, that was, I thought that was kind of a good attitude to have. So audience, here I'm, I'm just going to make two shameless plugs. Um, Pastor Fricky already mentioned, mentioned this, but the first uh, shout out I'm going to give is to Hidden Treasures. Um, if you get a chance, go down to Hidden Treasures. They are a wonderful thrift store that benefits the ministry here at Trinity and other ministries. They just do an excellent job of, you know, recycling waste. One of the things the Bible says is try not to be wasteful. Well, they take uh, used goods and sell them and benefit people that way. The other plug I'll give is uh, 
If any of you are struggling financially, or even if you'd just like to do a better job of managing your finances, think about taking our Financial Peace University class. That's a class that just goes through the basics of personal finance, budgeting, insurance, mortgages, and the like. So those are my two shameless plugs. Ross and Tom, before we close, is there anything else you'd like to bring up or talk about with the Seventh Commandment? I would just say that uh, we'll talk about this, I'm sure, in connection with the Ninth and Tenth Commandments, but it comes down to a matter of trust. I trust that God is going to take care of me, and if I'm able to do that, um, if I've got faith in my Lord Jesus, then uh, it's going to guide everything that I do in connection with the things that I have. Yeah. Ross, anything you'd like to add before we close? I would say, you know, maybe we all at some time or other begin to fantasize about what it would be like to have more than what we have. And I guess I would just caution that that's, that thought with, you know, be careful for what you wish for. <laughs> uh, those who are have great wealth, they, they have problems too. And their life is not always that much happier. If you watch the news or keep an eye on a lot of what is going on in our world and society today, you know, life, just because you have all of this, maybe you don't have to worry about how you're going to get your car fixed or, or make your mortgage payment, but that doesn't mean you're happy. It doesn't mean that you have a family. It doesn't mean that you have all the really core things. It doesn't mean you're content. Well. Yeah, money ultimately will not fill that that void in your heart. You need to have Jesus in in your heart, and it it's not ultimately going to make you happy. So, audience, as a closing thought, let's remember all our possessions are tools that we can use to do God's work. So, we have a challenge for you. This week, we want you to take inventory of the things that God has given you and ask yourself, how can I bless someone in need with these things? Maybe you have a truck and a chainsaw and you know someone who has a dead tree in their backyard. Well, maybe you could go cut that tree down for them. Or maybe you've been blessed with good employment that hasn't been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, maybe you could take some of your money and give it to a food bank. Or maybe you have an old bike in your garage and there's a kid in the neighborhood who doesn't have a bike. Well, ask him if he wants it. Whatever it is, look at the possessions God has blessed you with and try and find some way to use those possessions to bless someone else. Until next time, God be with you. Thank you.